0: this show is for you.
1: We promise to bring you real and authentic conversations with parents and experts who are committed to making their family their life's most important work.
0: This show will help you take a stand for your family and to raise your children by design, not default. Aloha, everyone. Chris and Melissa Smith here on the North Shore of Hawaii. And yeah, it's been a little bit crazy actually out here with the worst flooding, I guess, they've had in 50 years and lots of families have been affected and haven't been able to get in the ocean because of all the the debris, and but it's actually been really inspiring to see the community come together and the aloha spirit and really serve serve each other and like look out for for neighbors and friends and family. A lot of people have been reaching out to us asking us if we were impacted, and you know we're blessed that we live in uh, Pupakea, kind of up in the mountains, so we weren't we weren't affected at all uh, personally, but know a lot of people in the area that were, and it's been cool to be able to. Serve in the community with our with our kids and get them involved in that, and so
2: super cool. I would say I don't think it happens very often in your life, especially in our kids' lives, where they see people that really, really could use help, and that they can see so clearly how they're really serving someone in need. So that has been really cool. We've been spent several days, couple of days at least, um, yeah, serving like in the community. We've been to these houses that are have been flooded and like severely affected and it's been a good, a good experience overall for us to be able to serve in that way.
0: Yeah. I actually think it has something to do with this um, episode today. So the title of today's episode is why we never say we can't afford that. And so this whole episode is about money and, and really what it's about is confronting the story and the stories that we have as families and as individuals and families about money. And I know it's well-documented in research that first and foremost, arguments and fights for money and finance is one of the biggest causes oftentimes of divorce and just, you know, tension in a family.
2: Also, money is the root of all evil.
0: <laughs> yeah. So there's all these like, there's all these like weird sayings and cliches Melissa and I were talking about around money and you never know like, well, is money the root of all evil? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it like... You know, it's hard to know what to make of it. And so much of like what you think about money is probably how you were raised. And and we, Melissa and I have been on a journey, I feel like, over the past, you know, several years, probably the last 10 years, really, of really trying to confront our stories about money that we don't feel like have served us, that they limit us and hold us back. And I can tell you that it's been really liberating. And it's and we're still on the journey. There's still we still have money stories. Um, and so I want to,
2: I would, I think I know what, like, I know what this phrase money story means, but maybe describe what, when you use that phrase, everyone has a money store. Yeah. So these, you know,
0: really, I mean, you, you, you could, you could break it down to two basic stories about money. Either we have a story about money that, that is like money's really difficult to make. It's hard to come by. We'll never have enough of it. We're never going to get ahead. Or we have a a story about money that's, hey, money can be made. Money can be created. There's always possibility. There's always opportunity. We can really do the things we want. And I know it's not often that simple, but really those are kind of the, the two basic stories that people can have about money. And what's really cool is you can change the story you have about money which then can change the relationship you have with it and it can change your ability to, to create it. And it's so interesting. Cause like so, so much of what we think about money, like how we view ourselves sometimes and our own self worth and our self esteem is wrapped up in it. And, and so I just, Melissa and I, for the longest time, we felt like the way we looked at money didn't serve us. We looked at money like really hard to come by, hard to make, Never going to have enough of it. Never going to get ahead. We were always thinking about things in terms of like, oh, can we afford that? Or no, we could never afford that. Or it's too expensive. We'll we'll never be able to buy that. That's why I want to share with you a a story that was the beginning of kind of changing everything for me about how I viewed money. And it's really served me. So this was after I decided to start the Campfire Effect. And I had just started the Campfire Effect. And we were still... (laughs) There were some months we were buying groceries on credit cards and then paying our credit cards off and just like barely making it by like feast or famine. And I had met um, a guy by the name of Brad Martineau, who I think you guys have heard me talk um, about Brad. He's really just an amazing friend and has a, has had a tremendous influence on my life, especially when I was first starting the Campfire In Fact. He was one of my first clients with his company, Sixth Division. And so Brad and I had we'd become acquaintances he had just agreed to become a client. We hadn't done any work yet. And we had become Facebook friends. So we were we weren't like super, you know, like tight friends. But we both lived in Gilbert. Friends to be enough to be on Facebook friends, I guess. And I had this old MacBook Pro that was kind of starting to break down and have some issues. And I had already spent hours researching how I could fix this MacBook Pro and different options to, to get it repaired. And so I posted one time on Facebook. I said, hey, I've got this old MacBook Pro several years old, but I really love it. Here's what's going on. Here's some of the challenges I'm having. Anyone have any suggestions or ideas? And there was all kinds of like really nice, helpful, friendly people who were like, Oh, you could take it to this, um, this, you know, store in town that's close by you. And you know, they'll turn it around in 48 hours or, you know, there's places you can actually ship it. They work on it, ship it back for free. They were giving me online like resources and like chat forums of people who had similar problems And then all of a sudden, like several hours later, this comment comes in from Brad, right? My my new Facebook friend, Brad, my new client. (laughs) This comment was: "Stop being an idiot and wasting your time, and go buy a new computer." (laughs) And what was funny is no one commented on the post after Brad. Like they're like, "Oh wow, geez, who's that guy?" Like he just shut down the whole the whole thread. And I didn't really think anything of it, other than like, "Wow, that's kind of kind of bold," you know. And so then. A couple of days later, I go to Brad's office for the very first time to meet with him to start like our work together. And we like walk into the office. I say, "Hey, I'm here to meet Brad." The, you know, they go back, grab him. He comes out. He's kind of walking me through the office, introducing me to people, talking about what they do, different things. We're walking back to his office where I think we're going to meet. And he looks over at me as we're walking down the hallway, and he said, "Hey, by the way, did you get a new computer?" I said, "No, not yet. I'm still looking at options and different. You know, researching different things." He goes, "Okay." And then we get in his office, and he grabs his car keys off his desk he goes hey I actually need to run somewhere I'll run a quick errand why don't you come with me we'll start our meeting and uh then we can finish it back here at the office and I'm thinking I hey, have great like I'm, I'm just excited to be in business right I'm excited to have a client I don't care if we meet in the office the car at an elevator I don't care like and so we get in the car and I'm just talking a mile a minute and asking him about his his organization their story their messaging like some of the stuff we're gonna do together and then I notice we're starting to drive over towards the santan Mall which is an outdoor mall in Gilbert, Arizona, and we pull into the mall. Um, we start headed towards you know certain these certain stores, and we pull up right in front of the Apple Store. Again, I'm not thinking anything, right? I'm just I'm with Brad. He's running the errand. We walk into the Apple Store. Of course, this gentleman comes up who's just so happy to greet you, like they always are at the Apple Store, and says, "Hey, welcome to the Apple Store. Anything we can do for you today?" And Brad turns and looks at me and goes, yeah, this guy needs to buy a brand new MacBook Air, top of the line, all the bells and whistles, your best warranty. We got to be out of here in 10 minutes. And Brad turns, and looks at me and goes, you're good. That's okay, right? You're good for it, right? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Because <laughs> I was, in, I didn't want to you know, not be like, this guy's a client of mine. And the whole time I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like, what are we doing? And so the guy rings it all up and I can't remember what it was, but I think it was a brand new MacBook Air all kinds of warranties, like everything you could k- come with it. It was, it was over like twelve or $1,300. And I'm thinking like, first of all, I'm thinking like, Melissa's going to kill me. Second, I'm thinking, I really hope there's enough money on this credit card, enough balance. <laughs> <laughs> like how embarrassing would it be in front of one of my client that my credit card doesn't go through and I actually can't buy it and I have to walk out of there without. And so credit card goes through and he hands it back to me and I'm both like terrified and relieved at the same time. And you know he's like, "Hey, thank you know, thank you so much." and it's like it's all happening like in slow motion, and so I'm walking out of the Apple Store with this you know beautiful packaging in my bag, and I'm just like, "What just happened i <laughs> I came to meet with a client, and I just bought like a thirteen hundred dollar computer, and we go out and we sit in the car, and Brad said something to me that would you know forever change my life around money and he said he look he turns he turns the car and he looks at me and he goes, Don't you ever do that again?" He said, don't you ever spend so much time and waste so much time when you could have been out creating value for other people. He's like, take that computer and go bless the lives of, you know, hundreds of entrepreneurs and your family and like, go create the kind of money that you want to make. And that was like this huge wake up call for me around this relationship of time and money. See, I was always a person up to that point in time who was willing to spend a lot of time to save a little bit of money, but the the dangerous part of doing that is you you're actually you're basically telling yourself like hey your time isn't worth anything, so if I spend eight hours or three hours or four hours to save hundred dollars or a few hundred dollars, well t- what does that say about the value of my time? Well my time's not worth that much, and what started the shift for me and it didn't happen overnight it took a long time but what started the shift for me was well, instead of trying to give a, give a lot of time to save a little bit of money, what if you were willing to invest money to get back time? And I remember like this little experiment that I would play with that, which is like I would pay forty dollars more to sit three seats closer to the exit on an airplane, so that I could get off the plane faster, so that I could go like create more opportunities sooner. And although like wasn't really like gonna probably do that for me, it was it was more the mindset around just starting to play these little experiments. But, and then shortly thereafter, Brad, this same friend of mine and a few other entrepreneurs I really respected told me about this event that was taking place. And I'm like, you've got to come to this event. If you're serious about your business and now that you have started it, you've got to come to this event. It's in Scottsdale. A lot of successful entrepreneurs are going to be there. It's two days. And then I said, yeah, how, how much is it? And they said, it's $10,000. And I about like passed out. I was like, wait, like, the two days are like there's there's probably a lot more that comes with it, right? And they're like, No, just the two days. It's a two day event. You pay ten thousand dollars to go to the two day event. <laughs> and I remember Melissa, yeah, what do you remember me coming home and telling you like that I was gonna go to an event that I wanted to go to an event that was it cost ten thousand dollars for two days?
2: Yeah, I do I do remember the conversation. I don't remember I mean, obviously I remember where we landed, but I'm sure there was like a million different <laughs> Different, like, oh, I don't know, Uh, like, it's a lot of money, but, I mean, keep going where we ended up, but it, it was not, it was a really difficult decision to make.
0: But I also think, Melissa, maybe you can speak to this, you were really, like, a huge reason why I went, because you were like, I think you have to do this, Chris, like, if you're serious about this, if you're serious about starting your business. And you guys have heard the story of Melissa calling me out that night on our walk when she basically said, when are you going to stop chasing other people's dreams and start building your own? And so I I don't know if Melissa would agree, but I would say this is one of the first times that I think that we both kind of really took a stand for us and our potential and like we bet on ourselves. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And that's, that is where we, we ended up is you, you had enough faith in yourself and I had enough faith in you to know that, okay, we're going to do this and you can talk more about the details because it wasn't just like, oh, we have (laughs) $10,000 here. Um, But it was like, okay, we're going to do this and Chris, you're going to go and you're going to make that money back in two days. Like You're going to go in with the mindset of, you know what, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to have this intention that I'm going to create clients at this event and I'm going to make it worth this huge investment that we were making.
0: Yeah. And so the details were, <laughs> so we came back, we're like, okay, we're going to do it. So it was the first time we'd ever said yes to something that normally we would have said, Oh, we can't afford that. We would immediately like, like the minute it came up, we wouldn't even thought for another second beyond it because we'd immediately thought, Oh, that's too much money. We can't afford it. So it had just killed the idea. But this was the first time our, our, our first reaction wasn't, that's too much money. We can't afford it. Our first reaction was, wow, that's a lot of money. But how can we create it? And that I'm going to we'll speak to as well. That was a huge shift. Mm-hmm. And so we started coming up with ideas. And I was like, well, if Brad wants me to go so bad, like maybe he'll give me, maybe he'll loan me some money, <laughs> not give me some money. But so,
2: because we didn't have $10,000.
0: No, probably didn't have $10 at times in our bank account. But, um, So Brad loaned me a little bit of money. And then when I called, I called like the night before the deadline to make the payment. I still remember who the woman I talked to, Gina, who's amazing, who I, you know, now become friends with. So I had Brad's money. And then the balance, we were like literally digging in our couch cushions for like to see if we could find an old credit card (laughs) that would have like a balance on it. I think we put it on three or four. And like we we had put it on like two or three, and we were still like. $900 $900 short. And Melissa's like, Oh, I remember this old discover card I have. Let me see if it's expired. And I could tell that Gina, this woman under the line was like, um, sh- should I allow them to come to this event? Like, <laughs> like, can I sleep at night with a clear conscience knowing that these people <laughs> don't have the money? And she was really cool. And I told her like, I talked her into it cause I could tell she was a little bit concerned for. So I think between the money Brad loaned us and three or four credit cards, we made the 10,000 work So it was the first time we said yes to something that was really scary that normally we would have said we can't afford it. We don't have the money. It was the first time we'd ever put ourselves in a position to actually go create and actually see it happen, which is really powerful. And I would say it was the first time that because I had bet on myself and we had bet on, I wouldn't say bet on myself, we had bet on ourselves. That like Melissa said, she really helped me to to have the mindset to go into that saying like, I'm going to create that $10,000 and then more from this event. And it did like, I showed up like there was no other option. And I went to the event for two days and I met some of the most amazing people. And I ended up, um, as a result of that event, I ended up working with a gentleman named Andy, Anthony trucks, who was a former NFL football player, now speaker, coach, author, fa- amazing guy. And, uh, Bill Watkins and Robert Mallon who have, um, they have an amazing coaching business called the rusty line Academy. They both became clients. And I think, i think it was just short between the two of them it was just short of thirty thousand dollars in revenue so i was able to pay back you know the ten thousand and then and that was like for us i think that was the defining moment of like okay there's something to this like betting on yourself and and believing differently about money and like for us we were like we were in business at that moment
2: and i think it can be it's a delicate balance to be like oh yeah just go throw caution to the wind and go put things on credit cards just to be clear, that's not what we're saying here. <laughs> but what we are saying is, if there's something that you really, you really want to do, and you know would make a big difference for you and your family, whether it's something in business or just something you personally want to do, it does. The answer, like, say if you, the answer can be like, well, then let's let's create the money. It's like a big language shift first, um, and then yeah, and then you set out. To do it,
0: Yeah, I think the danger in saying things like, oh, we can't afford that, then there's no possibility to create the money because you already have your answer. You've closed yourself off of all possibilities of creation or miracles or anything. Even saying something like, oh, that's really expensive. Now, to me, saying something like saying that's really expensive isn't as bad as we can't afford that we don't have the money. Because when you say like, we don't have the money, we can't afford that. It's kind of it's, it's final. But when you say, oh, that's really expensive, there still could be some possibility there. And 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 I think that's 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 okay to acknowledge that. It's like, wow, that's really expensive. Now the question is, what do you say next? Right? So it's like, oh, that's really expensive. We can't afford that. Or is it, oh, that's really expensive. How do we create it? That little shift in language is everything. And Melissa and I don't think prior to this, Melissa, were you were you conscious of how often we actually probably said things like, Oh, we'll never afford that. Or we don't have the money. Like how, how often we had this like really limiting language around money.
1: All, All I remember is,
2: you know, we didn't have money. And so I remember I wanted to, I'm like embarrassed about this now, but I really wanted our kids to know like, Hey, there's a lot of things that you want to do that we just can't afford. So I remember very clearly telling them a lot of times the kids like, Nope, we don't have the money for that. We can't afford that. Um, just as a way to show them like, Hey, this is where we're at. Like I wanted to be forthcoming with them, like about our finances. I didn't want it to ever be a secret, but I think I, I think it was a disservice though, the way that I approached it at that time.
0: Yeah. And so one of the things we've been really conscious of since that time, and we were talking about this the the night at dinner, I, I can't recall the last time that we said as a family or individually, we can't afford that. Or the last time we said as a family we don't have the money for that. Or even the last time we said, like, oh, that's too expensive. Just because that 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 creates your reality and it starts to shape your kids' identity around money too. And 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 again, like it has us it has us either think about money as scarce or that it's really abundant, that there's always money out there that we can go create.
2: I think that's the biggest thing for me is the language is when I think about the impact that's having on the kids. I'm like, do I want them to have the same, we can, let's talk more about this, Chris, about our belief around money kind of coming into our marriage. But do I want them to carry on this belief? Kind of like I was feeding them early on. Like, no, we can't afford things. Those things are too expensive. Like I want them to have a healthy relationship with money and not just like frivolously spend what they have but also i don't want them to feel like oh we never have enough either
0: yeah and i think i think it's an and i think the and for us is yeah you can create money and there's an abundance of money and you want to be a really good steward of it and i actually think that being a good steward of money puts you in a position to actually receive more of it so like to your point unless it's not like throw caution to the wind i would also say though Interestingly enough, and we're not the first people to talk about this, obviously, so many people that that study this subject way more than us have talked about this. But there's, you go read any books on this topic or follow any experts and they'll say that the more intentional you become about money and tracking your money and having a budget uh, of some kind, whether it's loose or res- you start to create more of it. <laughs> so what's interesting is when, when we were absolutely broke we were the least disciplined around money. And when we started to create money, it it coincided with us being more intentional as well about our money. But I think there's this fine line you got to be careful with budgeting too, is like you can be, you can budget and have a mindset of like scrimping and saving and scarcity, or you can budget around like, you know, diligence, and responsibility, but also always looking for the opportunity and the possibility. And so the, Melissa and I have just come up with a simple strategy that really works for us. And that is anytime we're presented with something financially, whether it's an opportunity to invest in something or it's just something we want to purchase or buy a car or home, uh, an experience with our family, there's really two questions we ask ourselves and it's really simplified it for us. And the first question is, do we want to do this? And the second is, would it be meaningful for us? And if the answer to both those questions is yes, then we say yes. Now, to clarify that, that doesn't always mean that we have the money. So when we say yes, we're not always just saying yes at that moment and like putting on credit cards, but we're saying yes to the possibility of it. And sometimes we have the money at that time and we just say yes and we buy it or invest in it or whatever it is. And then sometimes it's like, okay, we're saying yes and now we get to go create the money. But by saying yes, now you can receive insights and downloads and like revelations and people can be put in your path and opportunities can be created. Like literally the universe, in my opinion, starts conspiring on your behalf to help you create that thing that, that, that you do want and that is important and meaningful to you. But sometimes it, you know, the, the easier thing to do would be to just say no to it. But sometimes you don't realize you're saying no, you don't think you've said no. But if you say, yeah, we don't have the money, we can't afford that. You said no. And an example of this is, well, to to back up to something before I tell this other story is, I personally, I I haven't read a whole lot of books. Like, I know there's tons of books out there, like, along the lines of how to become a millionaire, how to become a billionaire, how to become rich. I've never read any of those. Just, they don't speak to me. I don't, nothing wrong with them. They're just not the type of books that call to me to read. But I know that this concept's been talked about. But for me, there's like, there's a, money hasn't, and, um. A flow to it, like the energy of money has this flow where it moves around right, and it flows from one person to the to the other and And I think that sometimes if you are someone that stops the flow of money going out to other people, it's almost like it makes it hard for money to flow to you and so one of the things that Melissa and I realized is when I invested in going to that two day event. Not only was I investing in, in, in myself and the Campfire Fact and Melissa and I were investing in, in, our, in our family, but I was investing in supporting someone else's business because someone put that event on. Like someone took a risk to pay for this beautiful resort in Scottsdale and all the food and like with no guarantee that it would pay off. It could have been a total failure and disaster, right? They could have lost a ton of money on it. So somebody else was doing the exact same thing I was doing. They were taking a bet on themselves and taking a bet on their business and, and, and taking a risk. But by me investing in their risk, essentially, like my, letting my money flow to them, I believe it puts me in a position to have money flow to me, which is what happened. Like, And I think it, it's pretty tough to have money flow to you if you're not willing to allow money to flow out from you. And now, again... That doesn't mean we just go out there and, well, I'm just going to start like giving money away without any thought or with any, without any intentionality. No, it was something that I'd thought a lot about. I'd prayed about. I'd, I felt really good about making that investment. And this is a concept that we talk a lot about in the campfire effect with newer entrepreneurs who, you know, they want people to hire them for their services. They want people to buy their products. But they themselves as entrepreneurs aren't investing in their own growth. Right. They're not investing in their own development. So they want to be hired, like, let's say, as a coach, but they haven't ever hired a coach. And I think that's tricky. I think you're going to have a really hard time getting someone to hire you as a coach if you're not hiring other coaches, at least for a period of time. Like, it's going to be harder for that money to flow to you if you're not allowing money to flow from you. And same thing with like Melissa and I, you know, like, I told her when we lived in Gilbert, like, hey, I think we should hire someone to help us clean the house. And at first, I think it was. (laughs) that's such a sensitive thing. Cause I think Melissa probably, uh, you don't think I keep the house clean. It's like, no, like I, the house is amazing. I think it would be like really awesome for you to have that capacity and that time and that space freed up to do other things you want to do. And Melissa, what was your first reaction to that? When I suggested that from just a financial standpoint?
2: Well, it was more than just a financial like reaction to that, but, <laughs> um, financially it was like, no, like we don't, we don't need to spend money on things that I can do for that I can do, or that I can have the kids like rally around and do better. Um, and then, but there's even just more to it also. Like for example, um, my mom, who I've mentioned, I think before, she I'm the oldest of nine and she raised us all with one arm. (laughs) Uh, my family, I was in a car accident when I was 12 and my mom lost her left hand in the accident. And she went on to have two more children after that. And she's so amazing. And she never had anyone. (laughs) She never hired anyone to help come clean the house. So I think it was more than just like the money, but it was like, no, like I can do this for myself. Like my mom always did this. Why? I don't need someone. And it was and it was the money. But I loved what you said to me about, um, you know, there's a woman. There's a woman actually on our street who cleans houses at the time. And Chris just used her as an, as an example. But he was like, but what if we, you know, this is something that we can afford. It's in our budget right now. Think about the blessing that it would be to her or, you know, or she did. And maybe someone like her, what a blessing that extra money would be to their family every month. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, I didn't, I didn't ever, I wouldn't have ever looked at it like that. Like, what a blessing that something like it's a service that I would really benefit from and love. And it would be such a blessing to someone else. Like, that is, that's what they do. That's how they make a living. And I could allow them to make more money for themselves and their family.
0: Yeah. And, and and so for me, it's like, I want, I want, It's so funny because on the flip side, it's like if I if someone was considering hiring me for the Campfire Pact, I would want them to hire me. I wouldn't want them to be like, oh, I could do it myself. You know?
2: Yeah, or someone else did this on their own, like I should be able to do it on my own.
0: But you just have to know when you when you want to invest in things, like we're talking about, like all kinds of stuff came up from us around that. Not just the money, but I can do it, I should do it, guilt, you know, like what's that gonna do to our kids? you know, we still like clean the house ourselves all the time. We had a 15 minute pickup every night and we had our kids, you know, expected to keep their rooms clean. It was more of like once a month, someone's going to come in and do a deep cleaning. We did the same thing around our lawn and our yard. You know, we would mow the lawns every week. We'd go out and clean the yard. And I think once a month, someone would come and do more of a, like a, um, just a bigger cleanup. And it was hard for, on the flip side, hard for me. It's like, oh man, like, shouldn't I just be doing all this and showing my boys? And it's like, well, no, I can do both. Like I can show my boys how to work. And we can work in the yard. And this is a small business owner who I really like the guy and we can support him. And I think there's something to that flow of money. Now you might be like, no, I love cleaning my home. Um, I love which hard enough for me to believe there are people who love cleaning their home. There are people who love doing their lawns. So maybe it's not that for you, but I think if we're willing to support other people in their businesses and also just charitably. And that's another thing that when I said earlier, like how does, how does what's happened in Hawaii recently with the flooding? How does that tie into what we're talking about today? It's like, well, if you have if you have extra money, you're you're in a better position to support others in need as well. I mean, that sounds I like, you know it's just so obvious, but I, I didn't I never thought about that around money. I heard someone one time say like if if you really um like if your goal was to make let's say like you had a business and your goal was to make you know a million dollars a year, he said you actually should make a goal to make $2 million a year with the intention of giving a million of it away. And you'd probably get to 2 million faster than a million. If it was just for you. I thought that was so fascinating that there is this idea around money that like, and I think the reason we wanted to do this particular episode is it was Melissa's idea, which is really the, the thing that we really want people to understand in families is like, you can create money for your family. Like you can create money to like, do the things you want to do and live the life you want to live and and serve others and give back in the way you want to give. And I think sometimes we worry about that. Like, man, could I create an extra hundred dollars a week? Could I create an extra thousand dollars a month? You know, like, and yeah, you can create more money for you and your family.
2: Yeah. And the real, the actual story behind the catalyst for this episode was there's a girl that I follow on Instagram and she had just, she, this past week was offering us this course that she was selling and she had a webinar that was selling it. And you know, um, you could see like live comments as the webinar was going on. And I was just so fascinated by this whole, this whole process. And I was just, so she got to the end of her webinar and she was saying the price of what she was selling is just over a hundred dollars a month. And her her target audience is families with young kids. And it was so fascinating to me to see so many comments. She had thousands of people on this, but so many comments, like dozens, maybe even hundreds as I was reading it quickly as they were flowing by saying like, my family can't afford this. Like, thank you. Thank you for this webinar, but this is just never going to be possible. And, you know, those similar comments. And it just had me think like, That is a reality for a lot of people, first of all, and it had me think too, the cost of it is a hundred dollars a month. So if you backed it up, that's like $25 a week. And it it reminded me of something that I heard a while back saying like, you know, if you want to make a little bit of extra money back, back into it, like exactly how much you need to make a week or how much you need to need to make a day. That's like $5 a day. Is there something that you can do to make an extra $5 a day? Is there a skill that you possess that you could, that you could offer to the world to make an extra $5 a day? And it just had me think like, wow, I don't think a lot of people look at, look at life that way. Like, what can I create? It's just a hard, a hard, nope, we can't afford that. But if it's something that you really want, I think you can find a way. Um, and just off the top of my head, I was like, okay, how, what could I do to make an extra $5 a day? I'm like, I could babysit someone's kids. I could make lunches for my neighbor. Um, I could make dinners for my neighbor. Um, If it's something, you know, I could go mow lawns. I could go write a paper, you know, if someone needed something to be written, you know, just I could deliver newspapers. I could deliver pizzas. There's just so many different things like that. If you, that you could do to be able to buy that thing that you want. But if you say no, like there's none of those options. The only option is no.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing that we've realized more than anything. It's just that money is a creation. Like you can create it, but you have to say yes to it. And and I also think a thing that really trips a lot of us up around money is the how. Well, how would I do that? And one one of the interesting things that I've learned is the how never matters, not just around money, but about anything. You know, someone's like, well, I want to start a business. And it's like, well, but I don't know how. So then they don't. I'd love to go create more money for my family, but I don't know how, right? So I don't, the how never matters. Like you you just start doing it, you say yes to it. Then the how always figures itself out. But yeah, like what, what would it look like for you and your family to create? But maybe even a better question is like, how much money do you want to create in addition to what you're already doing? Because I think if you don't have like a number, I don't, I think if you don't have something that's like meaningful to you, it's it's going to be hard to be motivated enough to like create it. So I think a really great question is like, yeah, what's something that would be really meaningful to us that we haven't taken action on because of finances, because of money? Then back into it, like Melissa said, well, okay, if this, if there's something really meaningful to us that we want to do, and let's get a dollar amount that would be required to create that, and then let's back into it, like annually, monthly, weekly, daily. And it's like, okay, how do we go create that? And I promise you, if you, first of all, I promise you if you find that thing that's really meaningful to you, and you say, okay, we're going to do it. Like you just make the commitment. You don't think like, okay, I don't know how and wow, it's still really expensive. You just say, all right, we're doing this. We want to do it. It's meaningful. We're doing it. We're we're a yes. So you say yes to it. You say yes to the universe, to possibility. Then you say, okay, how do we go create it? Not like, how's it going to happen? How's it going to work? How do we go create it? I promise you'll be given insights and downloads. People will be put in your path. You'll come up with ideas you would have never come up with. Opportunities will unfold to you that like never would have unfolded. Like, I love that quote, when defi- when one definitely commits oneself. I'm actually going to share that um, just because I think it's, it has everything to do with what we're talking about. It's by J.W. Goeth, I believe is how you pronounce it. And uh, the quote says, the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to all sorts of things occur to help one that would never have otherwise have occurred. Unforeseen incidents, meetings, and material assistance, which no man or woman could have dreamed would come his or her way so a lot of times i think the universe is just waiting for us to say yes so that like all these things can start to work on our behalf then probably one of my favorite quotes about money i heard it from a, a guy named dan martell who's a really really successful entrepreneur just a really amazing human being husband father has become a friend and i heard him one time say that your income trails 12 months behind your mindset when he said that to me, I immediately thought, like, okay, what, how did, what was I thinking about like money and like financially and my goals 12 months ago? And I could see that it was directly correlated to where I was in that present moment. And he said, so also whatever your mindset is today, that's where you're going to be financially and your income is going to be 12 months from now. And the thing I, I, that, that might be a little bit daunting sometimes about that, but I also love about it is like, it's, it takes work, takes commitment. So whatever your mindset is today around money, that's where your income is going to be. And not just your mindset around money, right? Your mindset around growth and development, but like specifically around money. And what's cool about that is you can change your mindset. So to me, yeah, there's so many things that we've been able to create that like when I look back and compare it to our life 10 years ago, sometimes it's a wonder to me. I don't know if it is to Melissa, but it's like from from buying groceries on credit cards. And I remember this one story I was so embarrassed. Melissa told me she had to take, she took some blind, she t- she bought some curtains, but didn't hang them up and ended up having to take them back and get her money back. So she could buy groceries or pay for like,
2: yeah, your, your job at that time was very much commission based. And
0: <laughs> like every job I've ever had. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'd bought these curtains, you know, maybe a couple months prior. And then it had just been some lean couple of months and I hadn't hung up them up yet. So I remember, yeah, I do remember taking them back to be like, okay, this is what we'll buy with groceries with this month. <laughs> yeah. And, and even still today though, all like those, some of those same, like pro that same programming, it's not, it's not gone. Like Chris and I talk about that all the time, how we're still, we're not in that place where we ha- we're returning we're returning things to the store in order to buy groceries, but still some of that like scarcity stays with us that we're like, Oh no, we can't. We our first inclination. Sometimes is still like, Oh no, we, we can't.
0: Yeah. I remember like Melissa's fourplex. And if you, any of you have heard a couple of our episodes and more Melissa talks about her real estate investing and then her interview with her mentor, Deb, that was totally a play for us. Right. It was like, Oh, you know, and it was right in the middle of the pandemic, right? Right at the beginning, Mm -hmm. so much uncertainty. And we had to remind ourselves of, because it would be super easy to slip back into scarcity. Uh, Can't afford that. It's too much money. It's going to, the renovations are going to cost a lot. Like it's a lot of uncertainty right now with COVID. And we just kept, well, do we want to do it? Yes. Would it be meaningful to us? Yes. All right. Then we're yes. And then, you know, things fell into place and things, but sometimes it's easier to like take the safer route. And so the, the story I wanted to share is, so my business had had grown, and we had started doing, you know, much better than we'd ever done um, financially. And I was in a position to invest in in my business again. And there was a there was a, um, a leadership coaching program that I wanted to join. That it in and of itself would be a bigger investment than I had ever made in like my growth and my development. Five times more than anything I'd ever invested in. And there was a mastermind, a 12-month mastermind I wanted to join at the same time that was half of, that that cost half as much as the leadership. So, combined, there was going to be like, I was going to invest more money in the growth of my business and myself in like a one-week period of time than I'd ever invested in like my lifetime. And we had enough money that we were comfortable with doing one. And so, I was thinking, okay, which one do I do? Which one do I not do? And Melissa shocked me one day and showed me like, like, I really knew she believed in me and had confidence in me because she was like, well, your truck's paid for Just go borrow the money out of your truck and do both. Which by was, the way, I <laughs> was like, who is this woman?
2: <laughs> I have fought so hard for us to get out of, out of debt. Like I, yeah, that, that was like my, my big thing is when we f- first started making money in the Gampire effect. it was like, no, all of this is going to pay off debts that we have. And so when we did get out of debt, <laughs> the fact that I made that suggestion, I'm kind of surprised about it myself, actually.
0: But I also think you'd seen kind of that principle where we're talking about, the flow of money. I think Melissa had seen that every time I would invest in the business, there would be a return in in, in the form of financially or, or lessons I would learn. Not every investment I made like was a wild success, but I think we'd both seen, hey, when you when you invest in yourself. And you invest in others and you allow money to flow. It comes back to you. So I think that gave you some of that confidence. Yeah. But anyways, I was still shocked. So I called down to the bank, made an appointment with him. Everything was set up. I was driving down to the bank to like borrow the money out of my truck, take a truck payment. And I was going to do both. And I'm sitting there at the stoplight right next to this discovery park. And I'm kind of looking over at the park and the green fields. And like, it's a beautiful day. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is not. Like basically I've yes I'm investing in myself which could be seen as abundant but I'm doing it in a scarcity way because I'm like I'm, I'm 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 hedging like I'm willing to take a truck payment I already know how to do this like we've we've proven this model works and what I know how to do is I just say yes to it and I go create the money to do both I don't need to borrow any money out of my truck I just need to go have faith and say yes so that like I can think of ideas and get downloads, and the universe can start to work for me. So I called the bank, canceled, did a U-turn, came home. Melissa's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "I'm not going to get a loan." She's like, "So you're not going to do both of them?" I was like, "No, I'm going to do both of them. We're just going to go create the money." And it happened like <laughs> within a week. Like, I enrolled a pretty large um, client in a consulting deal, and like, yeah, just. But so it's never not worked. But one of the things that Melissa and I have also realized is not not only can the scarcity continue to creep in, but you can also get to a place where you can get kind of lazy and not stay hungry. And we've seen that like creep up on us as well. That like it's important to to always have a dream. Or, and, and like we've talked about before, having a creation list of like what you're creating. Because I think it keeps you in that like forward momentum of progression And, and, you know, I'd be cautious because that could also be unhealthy, right? It's like, it, it's not from a place of like, it's never enough. Like we always need more, 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 more. It's more so like, what do we want to continue to create that's meaningful to our family? What do we want to continue to create that allows us to give and serve back to, you know, give back to others and serve others? Because when we, when we decided that we wanted our house and we decided that we wanted to design it the way we wanted to. Again, we didn't have all the money just sitting aside to pull that off, but we followed the formula of like, does it is it important to us? Yes. Would it be meaningful? Yes. All right. We're yes. Now let's go create it.
2: Talking about our house that we just sold in Gilbert.
0: Yeah, and so that same you know that same principle was was at play for us, and 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 it had us be really hungry because we we had this vision of like, oh, we want to create our home. In, inside this way and we want to create this yard that would be just magical for us to like create experiences with our children and connect with them and like have people over and it's like so that really drove us and it really gave us a lot of insights and ideas and inspiration and and like creativity that fueled us having you know the 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 creativity and the energy to create the money for it and then once we'd done all of that and kind of checked all those boxes i think melissa and i realized like oh we kind of gotten lazy around creation with money because we we did it And then we didn't have a vision anymore. So I think that's, so the, the two things for me is like, that's, we're not just saying throw caution to the wind and it's, you know, I think it's really good to have a vision that's pulling you into like creating money.
2: Yeah. No matter, no matter where you're at in, in this path, like if you're maybe, maybe the first vision is like, Hey, we, I want to pay off. This certain credit card, or maybe it's you know it could be anything. It doesn't. Have- I want to
0: make an extra hundred dollars a month to, for piano lessons.
2: Yeah, maybe these little these little things, these little victories that keep you progressing and looking forward.
0: So, the actionable takeaways that I would really encourage you to do, and I think it'd be really fun for you is again identify something that you know you want to do that'd be meaningful for you, your family, one of the an individual in your family. Say yes to it, and then start asking the question, okay, how do we go create this? Another thing I think that'd be really useful for you to do is, is to like really confront. Cause I think the things that we don't confront just continue to persist. They don't go away. They're, they're lingering there in the background. So like to really confront the story you have about money is like, yeah, just to be really honest with yourself and write down on paper, like what you think about money, how you view money, where that story comes from. What did your, what did the house you were raised in? Like, what did they think about money? What do they continue to think about money? And by seeing it all on paper, it's like, okay, like now I can do something about this. And then you decide like, well, how do I want to rewrite these beliefs? That's a great thing about beliefs. You can change your beliefs.
2: One, one thing that I'm thinking right now, and that might be a confronting thing is looking at, you know, if you are in a, marriage or or a partnership, looking about how you bring yourself to the marriage around money. Um, Like an example of this is, so if you'll notice during this this whole episode, Chris is talking about his business and creating money in his business. And that's how we've created our life to be right now is that I'm, for the most part, a stay-at-home mom, and he is the one that's like the breadwinner. For our family, and I know that's not the case for a lot of people. That's how it looks. It looks for us right now because that's what I wanted to do. Like I didn't want to keep working as a nurse, but I do find myself sometimes feeling like, and this is not anything Chris does. It's just like me in my own head. I feel like, oh well, Chris is the one that makes the money, so his say around money pulls a little more weight than than mine. And so lately, I don't think we've ever even talked about this. <laughs> lately, I bring myself to the conversation though, like, okay, am I, am I showing up as like a true partner in this conversation or am I, or am I shrinking back because, you know, for whatever, whatever reason, but am I, am I like a full partner in this? And does, and does a person, you know, maybe you both have jobs at one, but one partner makes more money than the other. Does a partner that makes more money, do they have, does that mean that they, bring more value to the money conversation or does it, or do you both have equal value in what you're creating? So that would be something that has been useful for me to look at, um, might serve you as well this week.
0: I love that you share that Melissa, because uh, the reality for me is like, I do view you as a full partner. And in fact, Melissa is usually the ones that has usually is the one even around campfire that will have the final say or tell me like, Hey, I really think you should. And her advice is always like, Amazing, And what's interesting is we recently took these, um, it, lack of a better word, personality assessments, and they were, it was a personality assessment specifically around entrepreneurial s- talents. So not like your, not necessarily like just your overall personality, but specifically how does your gifts and how do your talents show up in entrepreneurship? And out of the 10 talents that they identified that these successful entrepreneurs in this that they studied had. One of them was profitability. It was number 10 for me. And it was number two or three for Melissa. I was like, oh, that makes sense as to why so many of the financial decisions we've made regarding the business, like Melissa's opinion carries a lot of weight. But I do think it's that—that that is something that's really interesting to like, to think about in a partnership. Like, where does that, like, how does that currently show up for you? The last thing I'll share... And for some of you, you're going to say like, oh, that sounds really hokey, but is affirmations around money <laughs> that I say every day. And so there's three affirmations I say every day around money. And one is just simply like, I create money. So I say that every morning as part of my meditation and affirmations. The other one I say is, I always have more than enough money for all of my needs. And the third one I say is, money um, effortlessly flows to me from both expected and unexpected sources. And that just helps me start to change my beliefs about money. Now, just by saying those, does money start magically flowing to me? No, I don't think so. But what it does is by saying those things, it starts to change the beliefs I have about money. And by changing my beliefs, it changes the actions I take and it puts me in a position to create. And so before you're like, oh, those sound really hokey. Well, having no money is hokey too. (laughs) Is more hokey to me.
2: Yeah. And I know that um, money, we talked about this before we started recording, just to how money, we do not believe that money... like is everything, but there's, it just allow, you know, when you do have the money to meet your needs, it opens you up for so much more, you know, if you can think beyond like, okay, how are we going to make this next paycheck? It's like, okay, we have space for more, more meaningful things in our life. So I think that's the whole, the whole intention for us, I guess. And, in, in all of this is making sure that, you know, you are creating a meaningful life and that money or lack thereof is isn't getting in the way of that. So, you
0: know, Yeah. But you encourage you again, do those couple exercises we talked about, try some affirmations for yourself around money and would love to hear like, what comes of this for you? Like, what is that thing that you identify that is meaningful that you're going to say yes to? And thanks for, uh, for tuning in. See you next week. Hey there, thanks for listening to today's episode.
1: To show our appreciation, we want to offer you a free gift. We have an incredible online course you can get now by going to familybrand.com or by following the link in the show notes.
0: And while you're there at familybrand.com, be sure to follow us on social media so that we can go on this journey together.
1: Lastly, if this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you share it with another powerful family in your life and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode.
0: We will see you in the next episode.